Greetings fellow wanderers in the fourth dimension and welcome to the greatest show in the galaxy. My name is Emma Foster, um, making the sausage sandwiches and joining me as always is Mr. <laughs> Mike Mould. Hello sir. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Sorry for the uh, the lengthy layoff everybody who's been listening to us. Um, I had a bereavement in the family and a lot of things came up and but anyway, we're back now and we're carrying on where we left off, straight on with the... Um, Key to time saga, mm-hmm. and today we're going to be having a chat about the Stones of Blood. Yes, written by David Fisher. Yep. So uh, the search for the third secret of the key to time leads the Doctor Romana and K9 to Boscombe Moor on, on Earth in the late 20th century. Here they encounter Professor Amelia Rumford and Vivian Fay, who are surveying an ancient stone circle called the Nine Travellers. What is the link between an ancient Celtic goddess, an alien criminal and a transporter ship concealed in hyperspace? And can the Doctor escape the dramatic sacrifice of blood to uncover the mystery of the moving stones? Spoiler alert, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is a bit of a return to the, well, I don't think it's a, ret- a return to the gothic in mm. uh, Doctor Who, but not for all of it. Um, no. This is quite a, quite a, it's an episode that I, I'm going to spoiler alert and say I love this episode. It is pretty good, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. And, um, but this is kind of a, this is really a, a, a story of two halves. Mm. Um, but yeah, so shall we, let's, where shall we start with this one? Um, well, I suppose the beginning is a very good place to start. Yes, because, uh, well, Doctor Who takes his hat that says Basil Exposition and puts it firmly on his head mm. as we recap for everybody who maybe was on holiday for the last few weeks what is actually <laughs> happening in this. Yeah. So obviously you've got uh, the Doctor trying to do his bit of Krypton Factor. Um, by assembling the key oh, to time. Remind me of the Crypto Factor. <laughs> um, and you know what it, I found out actually recently about the Crypto Factor? Because yeah. I mean, as a kid watching, oh, I'm going to say, sorry Americans, but you know we're going to have to skip you for this. The Crypto Factor was a was a game show which sort of had, um, it was sort of pitched at sort of in, intelligent people and action people. It's people like, it's a bit best all round quizzer slash athlete. It was really confusing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it often involved pu- three dimensional puzzles. Yeah. And they would have to do them usually like um, they would be in a box that they couldn't see. So I'd have to do it blind, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I found out apparently sometimes this would take hours. Oh, yeah. Literally hours. For <laughs> to get this right. I mean, because of course for TV, they edit it down to about 30 seconds. And you were sitting there going, wow, yeah. they're so clever. But now when you think about it, it's clearly the people have been crying in, few, in pure frustration <laughs> not being able to do this. And uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, I don't know whatever, what would have been worse with that show. It's either that or the bit where they had to sort of like bring the airplane in. Oh, well, like the aircraft I like that bit, <laughs> I like that bit, but uh, how many times did they just sort of like bomb it into the ground? Yeah, just put it into the hedge at the side of the... Because, uh, yeah, again, America's it was basically... What this would be... Imagine... Right, so we just had the Olympics. So imagine the modern mm. pentathlon of quiz shows. This is what yeah. this is, right? So they would have to do... Um, it would be like they'd have an observation round, which is always my favourite. So they'd be showed a vi- little video of a little vignette, and then they'd be asked questions about what happened in this uh, this little bit of film. Mm-hmm. They would have like a general knowledge sort of quick fire round. They yeah. would do this three dimensional puzzle thing. Mm-hmm. They would have to run an assault course. The best bit. The, well, yes, the best bit, and actually resulted in a serious injuries. <laughs> and um, then they would have to in the well, in that one of those virtual reality things they train um, pilots in bring a plane into land and these were just ordinary folks these were people who worked in banks and things mm. like that so um it was and if you won that you had the mother soul i think it was uk super person of the year yeah 
Something like that. <laughs> so anyway, a marvellous show. I loved it dearly. Mm. Um, but anyway. Really actually, yes. Anyway, yeah. so carrying <laughs> on. <laughs> um, so this wibbly voice uh, tells the Doctor to, to beware the Black Guardian again. And yeah, we weren't clear on that. Yeah. And so basically uh, the Doctor brings Romana up to speed with this massive info dump. <laughs> yeah, and she's not really as angry as I think I would be that this whole premise that we've just learnt now that we're doing we're dealing with sort of inside dimensional super beings mm-hmm. and it's not quite what the she was initially sold as what was going on with this thing. Yeah. So she just sort of goes, oh, Alright then <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um but uh, yeah, and for some reason they seem to keep the bits of the key to time in a fridge. Yeah. In a dark room. Well, I guess. Yeah. Stop it getting overexcited, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Keeps it <laughs> fresh. Keeps it fresh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah so but for some I mean, anyway, so of course we're heading on to Earth and mm-hmm. I do like that Romana decides that this is the time for quite on trend play suit. <laughs> a a flat cap and some really inappropriate kitten heels. Yeah, that's one thing I always liked about this one is the doctor just like says, you know, those those shoes aren't going to do you no good, and he's right. <laughs> well, instantly, I mean, unless we're going to the pub, yeah, and we're going to be sitting down for ninety five percent of the day, <laughs> those heels are just so stupid. Mm-hmm. I mean, as well, it's um. It's, it's, oh, I don't know why. I mean, obviously just to create a little bit of drama for when they, uh, mm. for when she has to run away and then lose the shoes, obviously. But, yeah. um, well, the yeah. best bit, the best bit is though, when she changes to like more practical boots, she changes her entire outfit as well. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course she changes her entire outfit, Mike. She can't be doing all these things in one, just one outfit. Mm. Anyway, she's, anyway. A, she's a fashion conscious lady, but anyway. Yeah. Um, a prime bit of Doctor Whoiness when they land on the, on learn land in uh, in uh, near the what are in real life the Roll Right Stones, uh, mm-hmm. where the Doctor has an umbrella and then just chucks it away. Yeah. Because he's weird. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it was not raining. <laughs> it wasn't raining. I think it's. I think this is what I must do with half my umbrellas. I buy them. Where the fuck mm-hmm. are they? I can't find them anywhere. Exactly. Just sort exactly. of randomly toss them into shrubbery. Yeah, <laughs> um, sorry, I can't help it. Anyway, yeah. so after this, we mm. it, uh, it actually watching it back, I was kind of astonished by how quickly everything gets set up. Yeah, because they literally go round the corner from the TARDIS. The mm-hmm. stones are there, yeah. and then basically the main two people are the only other people we meet in this story. There's only apart from the Doctor Romana, mm-hmm. there's six people in this story. Pretty much, yeah. And two of them get mullered in thirty seconds. Yeah. Oh, if we're not counting the the fairy lights. Hmm. And, anyway. the, and the two campers. Yes. Yeah. So, um, anyway. <laughs> anyway, yes. Anyway. So, a, a, literally a third of the cast turn up <laughs> <laughs> at that exact moment. Mm-hmm. And I must say, I think these two guys, uh, Amelia Rutherford and Vivian Faye, might be in my top ten best ever guest stars mm. in Doctor Who ever. Yes. they're so... Great. They're brilliant. I mean, Beatrix Lehman is uh, Amelia. Oh, I love her. She's great. She's got this, uh, I don't know, just like, because she actually died the following year after this was made. Um, and so I don't know whether she was having problems like remembering her lines, but there was this, she had this sort of cadence to her. So like, when she was like speaking, she was like trying to like... Is that old lady thing of trying to yeah. drag it up from 
that yeah. memory that it, it exists in somewhere. Uh-huh, we're but just it, like talking about all the lectures. She's, she's pausing. She's still talking, but she's clearly slowing down while she tries to remember the name. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's a thing that you do naturally when you're talking. If you're mm-hmm. trying to, I mean, we do it all the time on this podcast, trying to drag up bits of memory from mm-hmm. from bits of everywhere. And it, it where I think that these days they might cut that or say, "Can we have another one, darling?" You know, yeah. and uh, try again, or you know, put it on a big idiot board and put it, <laughs> put it out of sight somewhere. <laughs> you know, the Marlon Brando approach. Yeah. Um, they just sort of roll with it, and just it, it gives this it gives a wonderfully organic, eccentric. Mm. Um, occur sort of feel to her and it, it feels like so like a normal person almost yeah i mean eccentric is definitely the word for me yes. here because watch tom baker's face as she's doing that little spiel he's, he's quite clearly he's like not sure he's like he's clearly off his game he's being out eccentric <laughs> yes i think that is quite that's quite quite a um quite a significant thing in this episode again tom baker being tom baker wanted to have a big birthday party in the beginning i think that's why that room with the fridge is dark isn't mm. it because he wanted to have a big thing of a surprise party for his birthday yeah and he bought and tom baker actually bought a huge cake mm-hmm. and then but this was kind of no absolutely no. poo-pooed <laughs> no so um, that's silly <laughs> yes that is far too silly tom no we're not doing it mm-hmm. um and so I think that's why they have this this dark room for no reason anyway. Yeah. So, but yeah, the main point is that he, like you say, he's being thoroughly out eccentric in this episode. <laughs> and part of it, I think, must be jealousy of thinking, oh, I don't want it to be that weird. Yeah. <laughs> why won't you let me do that? <laughs> but it's, it's just so great just like watching his face. That's, that's all I was drawn to was like, even when... You know, she was doing this whole spiel. She just couldn't keep up looking at Tom. He's sort of like trying to sort of, he's trying to open his mouth to speak, but then she just sort of keeps going. And he's like, uh. <laughs> but um, I have to say, um, Vivian Fay, you know, they may as well just like froze frame on her and just had this villain, villain, villain's <laughs> like flashing caption. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, after you've. Uh, anyone who's sort of up to date with I mean uh, this really benefits you if you know anything about sort of Arthurian legend and because mm-hmm. the names give it away in seconds but yeah. this to the side yeah I mean she's just sort of in the background you know arching her eyebrow mm-hmm. at the back and she, <laughs> she, she might as well just have a bit like a caption underneath saying this is the villain <laughs> yeah um, and then we get the druids who are working towards the greater good yes the greater good <laughs> Um, can't take druids seriously anymore but i think as well um being from the city mm-hmm. this is what i secretly suspect happens in the country all the time yeah so <laughs> i just accept it when when these <laughs> things happen in these shows yeah because <laughs> i do feel like when some of those pubs you walk into you do feel like you just crash in at the end of a sat- satanic riot sometimes mm. <laughs> but yeah i mean um the whole thing with the druids i mean it's pretty sort of like it's just, it's very much like a, they're just like side antagonists. But I mean, the bit where um, De Vries and his, uh, is it his wife or his maid or I can't, I don't know I who she is. I think they call her like a sort of an acolyte, she's sort of like an acolyte almost. Yeah, but um, when they get menaced by the Ogre um, later on, it's, uh, <laughs> you really like choose it's just, go! <laughs> yeah, it does go a bit like, because the thing is, if you're watching this for the first time, mm-hmm. You feel like, hang on a minute, this is episode two. Mm. 
this feels like at the end of episode four. Yeah. Because like I, I, like when when the Doctor sort of gets pointed to, of course, because it's a village in England, there is mm-hmm. only everyone, and then there's the big house. Yeah. Because <laughs> obviously everything happens at the big house, right? Mm-hmm. So of course, and conveniently for the plot, it's only over the hill. So the Doctor goes booting up there, gets immediately welcomed in. Yeah, offered a sherry. You know, and everyone so by someone who knows his name already, despite having not met him, mm-hmm. and he immediately goes for evil druid. Yeah. There's no beating around the bush. He's straight in there saying, mm. oh, yes, we worship this and that, and then get whacking the doctor on the back of the head. Yeah, exactly. He's like, here's a sherry whack. <laughs> and, like, you know, we're 20 minutes into the episode, episode one. Yeah. Because normally when you have a... You would think... I think this closest analogue to this story, actually, is mm-hmm. the Canine and Company pilot. Do you know what? You're not wrong. It's quite similar, but the Canine and Company plot... It's dragged out for the whole. The whole thing mm-hmm. is the basically the two episodes, episodes one and two, of Stones of Blood, right? Yeah. So normally you'd have a thing of the Doctor pooping around, being suspicious, and talking to people who won't say anything to him, and mm-hmm. you know, then eventually going to the big house and then having a chat with the thing and leaving and saying there's something evil going on here and sneaking back and then getting whacked on the head. Mm-hmm. But immediately he's like, Druids, we're hundred percent right. We definitely worship this Celtic god. And by the way, you're the sacrifice. See ya. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> it's so quick. Mm. And watching that for the first time, it kind of throws you, actually. Yeah. Because I haven't watched it in a long time. So, yeah, it really kind of like you sort of feel like, oh, is this now? Mm-hmm. Because half of the episode is not this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I mean, what did you make of the, the literal cliffhanger um, from part one? Oh, it's a bit... Mm. Do you know, I, mean, I think it's like, the problem is, I think it's a bit... Um, it's been hamstrung again a little. Mm-hmm. Well, again, we're going to be talking about the as we go on the increasing Tom Baker demands on the show. Mm-hmm. And Tom Baker, the original idea was that they wanted the Doctor to be sort of luring Rana to the cliff edge, mm-hmm. like clearly not just with his voice. You would see him in the in the distance, and then Romana would come up to him. Mm-hmm. But Tom Baker poo pooed this. Yeah, and it kind of. It kind of hurts the cliffhanger. Definitely, I think. Well, not kind yeah. of. I think it does hurt the cliffhanger mm-hmm. because it seems like Romana turns around and sort of just falls backwards. backwards over the cliff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, I can sort of understand where he's coming from with that because you know. Yeah, I, mean, I understand because obviously he wants to be. He doesn't want to appear to be a menacing figure to the kids. Mm-hmm. But it but needs something. It needs something. Yeah. yeah. Even if it was just sort of like, even if they could like superimposed a sort of, not like like a, a hologram of the Doctor, but like a some shadow. sort of, sh- yeah, like a shape or something. Um, that's just using his voice to then shove Romana off the off the cliff. That's what it. That's what it needed. But it's just it because it doesn't have that. It just sort of looks like she stumbles backwards, even though it's a whacking great sign, saying warning cliff. You know. Yeah. <laughs> So it doesn't help that at all. But mm. um, I was going to say, our problem as well, the CSO is quite mm. clear. Yeah. Because, <laughs> again, watching this, you know, we don't have the benefit of an HD upscale or anything like that. I think actually it'll probably make it look even worse. Mm. But the, the the difference between film and video in this is really stark. Well, that's the thing. There wasn't even any uh, film used. Yeah. Sorry. It was, the, it, was done, the, it was done all on video. But um, the CSO is still pretty like badly obvious. Yeah. Um, 
Because I think, uh, yeah, this was all entirely shot on video, and this was um, this wasn't even normal. I don't think it became the norm until Trial of a Time Lord. Oh no, you're all quite right. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. um, Daryl Blake sort of had. I mean, it's, it's um, on one of the uh, special feature on the DVD. Um, said he always had this problem with going from film on location to video in the studio. And, you, you know, when you watch, like, Doctor Who back in that time, it's night and day, literally. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to have it all on video, but the video stock isn't that great. <laughs> it, yeah. just, it, looks, it always looks a bit washed out when you start like, on location. Yeah, it's just like, insert stock footage here. Mm-hmm. You know, after yeah. that. It just reminds me of, you know, the old Batman... 66 Batman, you know, where they're sort of running. Yeah. Oh, that bit in Wayne's World where they're doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're in New York, let's go to a Broadway show. Um, yeah, it, it's just a bit too mm. too obviously not real and that she's standing on a little ledge. And yeah, I don't know. I just been, And as well, because she's clearly standing on nothing too precarious. Yeah. It kind of lacks a bit of impact. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do have like a few little close-ups of like um, a few bits of sat soil and that coming away under her feet, but there's like literally next to no danger. It's just yeah. slightly risky. It is mild peril at best. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, but you know, to only to to have to succumb to temptation only once and do a literal cliffhanger mm-hmm. in this whole the whole pantheon of the show. I think you know we'll give them that. Yeah. It's still better than the one in Dragonfire. It is, but yeah, it's better than the Lino Floor one as well, isn't it? <laughs> um, we talked about um, in part in um, in a previous episode about um, things being gay to super verging on super gay. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say gay, super gay to ultra gay. Uh, talking about Vivian <laughs> and Amelia, mm, they're quite close. <laughs> yeah. All this men, boom, boo, stuff yeah. as well. I felt it, I always find quite amusing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 always like when you just like watch. I think was it um, it was Monster of Peladon that uh, Sarah Jane was in, wasn't it? Mm. And she's like talking to the Queen, and she's just like, you know, women's lib, and it's just like, like this was totally written by a bloke. Do you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. just just smacks of that. Especially when you get Amelia grasping her truncheon. <laughs> <laughs> but Waiting for the carry on penny whistle in the background. Yeah, but I do like that was um I always love that bit of dialogue and um Vivian says it's a policeman children like last year when she was lectured in New York she took it with her in case she got mugged. And Romana says, Well did she get mugged? And she says, No, she got arrested for carrying an offensive weapon. That's just so brilliant. But the thing is though, because because we obviously it's one of those nice things of we've only really known these couple of characters for, you know, one episode. Mm-hmm. But already because because Amelia is so great, and the yeah. way that she, the way that she is in that little bit of dialogue, you just go, yeah, I completely believe that about her. Mm-hmm. She's that very, seems, yeah, oh, she... Amelia, that's so you. <laughs> She's very jolly hockey sticks, which, by the way, I think is a bullshit term because I broke my finger playing hockey once at school, so there's nothing jolly about, about it. it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I was going to say another Olympics thing. Remember last in 2012, that girl got her jaw broken and oh. then got back on the field. You know, yeah. it's a dangerous sport. Yeah, bloody dangerous sport. A dangerous sport. Oh, so many miserable days in the rain. <laughs> yeah. I mean, our future going. You're not playing golf. We hit it down the. Uh, we refused to dribble and just smashed it down the field. Yes. Yeah. Purely because we didn't want anybody like trying to slam into us. Yeah. Just get away from <laughs> me. Yeah. yeah. 
always end up with the shittiest steak as well. Yeah. But, um, yeah, <laughs> Amelia's, der- <laughs> Amelia's Daring Do is just wonderful in this. Oh, it's so great. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, she, like, like I say, she's one of my favourite guest characters mm. ever. And, yeah, she's she just becomes more fabulous as time goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, after after this the sort of straight in your face of episode one, mm-hmm. it's on to episode two, which feels like episode four, but isn't. Yeah. Because the doctor is strapped to a rock and there's a big old knife above his head. Mm-hmm. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, like we say, this is very much a story of two halves. Mm. And part two feels like the second half of what would be a normal story. It's very, it's very oddly paced. Yeah. But it, it's, it's interesting how they did this. I mean, obviously this is the, the hundredth story. Um, so it's kind of like they're doing sort of like, well, we do gothic horror very well. We also do the sci-fi elements very well. Let's just stick them on to one, hit the blender button. <laughs> this is the full metal jacket of uh, Doctor Who. Yeah. Because so, full metal jacket, half of it is the training and half of it is when they get to Nam. Mm. This is this, this is exactly <laughs> this. Um, so, I mean, and as well, the, the fact that <laughs> the sacrifice is some, interrupted by someone rolling out with a flask of tea. Yeah. What I do like though is um, when the, the druids all scatter, you hear like cars starting, yeah, and stuff. Just you know, somebody's firing up the Volvo. <laughs> <laughs> no, they definitely have a Jag. This is yeah. a, this is a Jag region. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they say forty years from now, this will be a dog in sight. Um, <laughs> you want to get really, really grim reality about it. <laughs> I mean, you're entirely right. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, do, I too quite like that. Yeah, <laughs> just running away somewhere. I've left the keys in my other robe. Oh bollocks! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it again. It does. It just sort of, kind of down the ness yeah. of you know, scattering in the woods is someone diving in, like you say, diving into the Volvo <laughs> and screeching out of <laughs> screeching out of a field. It's just so funny. I can't get my driving gloves on. <laughs> yeah. Um, again, not to say you're just interrupted by dear old Amelia turning up with a flask of tea, uh-huh. um, and yeah. But then again, there's sort of the whole the inevitable bit that you get in these um, British cult things of like we've displeased the goddess and please yeah. forgive us and all this sort of thing. Um, but, there's get... a couple of bits that you can't help but snigger at a little bit, <laughs> yeah. Because the Aubrey, I do like them, but when you they just sort of roll past the window <laughs> I can't not laugh this is so yeah. funny I was I was just about to ask you what your thoughts on the Ogre were because I quite like them I quite but... like yeah they're not executed very well but then then again how can you because the only other way you could do it is like more weeping angel style yeah they just sort of appear yeah but then they sort of like do that anyway because like how many times do people get snuck up on by, the, by these bloody things <laughs> Seven foot tall, weighs like three and a half tons, and they suddenly, oh shit, there's one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, how, do they, how do they sneak up on the campers? I feel like that would have woken me up. Yeah. Uh, oh well, I mean, but um, yeah, I mean, they they are kind of great. I mean, especially mm-hmm. that sort of the heartbeat of wah, 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 as they yeah. sort of they power up and they get fed. Mm-hmm. Um, I do quite like them, but yeah, it's just, they they it's just so difficult to. For it to be sinister, as it kind of, you know, rolls by someone's window and then crashes in someone's front door. Not very well, as well. Yeah. It's like, just so it gets stuck in the frame, it's like, ah. 
Oh, as, um, as Chuck sort of said to me that because they're the policemen, mm-hmm. if you will, of this, um, Chuck sort of says to me, you can see why they switched to the Jadoon mm. for an international police force or galactic police force. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Russell T didn't insist on a load of old Gree for that because yeah it would have been difficult to pull off even with today's technology yeah knowing him though i think he would have if he could have gotten away with this <laughs> i think he would have oh yes i'm sure i'm you know i'm sure that came up mm-hmm. um, um yeah but the, the whole thing as well with the the sort of uh the acolytes saying about we can get to plymouth <laughs> <laughs> okay then <laughs> yeah <laughs> now then what she says she has eyes everywhere <laughs> I mean, I, I do. I mean, I'm such a sucker for all that kind of, um, you know, like, as as I've well said, you know, I've said over and over again in this. But the things of the ravens kind of appearing in mm-hmm. places that doesn't get old. Yeah, that's always nice and creepy. That's nice and creepy, and they, you know, it's it's a great shorthand, and you know, sort of, you know, they you, their goose be cooked by mm-hmm. um, by then when the raven goes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Again, I feel like um, another little bit that when we sort of wrap up about this i'll sort of talk a bit about talk a bit more about mm-hmm. but they sort of hold back from how gory it could be mm. but i mean the the bit with the uh the campers was pretty sort of like it was kind of creepy it's like i mean yeah i mean the ugly's plan quote unquote to uh, feed so like pretty much uh revolves around getting somebody to be interested and touch them Mm. You know, so, I mean, a lot of people would maybe just, like, stand back with their hands in their pockets, but, you know. <laughs> no, but you do sort of, with, I mean, cause I've been to Roll Ride Stones where this is um, located, and I've been to Stonehenge, mm-hmm. and you, you do sort of want to, you do want to touch them, which is why they've got such a bloody great barrier around Stonehenge. Yeah. To stop people touching them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you do sort of feel a little, you do feel like a connection and things like that, you know, you want to have that sort of tactile interface with them so yeah i mean i can see why they would sort of be able to tempt you like that but you sort mm. of feel like you sort of maybe want an extra line in there yeah just to um, or, or if they have like, some sort of minus psychic influence that makes people yeah. want to touch them do you know what i mean yes that, that's what i'm saying if, if there was like another little doctor line in there mm-hmm. if they projected like a low level sort of psychic field or something like that yeah but I mean, um, the bit where she actually the camper actually gets her hand stuck to it and then it sort of like dissolves into like the skeletal hand. I mean, yes, the skeletal hand's not very great, but it, the the whole idea of it's very good. And then it's like fades out to red. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. I do like that. And um, again, something that was pointed out in in the uh, the after in, in sort of the making of that this would be kind of the pre credit scene now. Yeah, it would exactly. Yeah. But I, I sort of, when, when you watch it, I almost feel like I want it at the beginning of the show anyway. Mm. Just to kind of, sort of just give us a little in and sort yeah. of why or we may- should be... Or maybe like the first Druid scene, after they've, they've, they've sacrificed a goat or whatever they're supposed to be, but they couldn't get away with it on this telly. Yeah. And they, they fed the, the blood to the stones and then they, they activated that. That could be either be an alternative, like pre-titles yeah. bit, I would think. Yeah, I'm just. I'm saying. I'm not like saying that it's bad. I'm just, no. I just. I kind of want to again, like we're saying about the narrative pacing of this is quite strange mm-hmm. because of its game of two halves nature. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I just feel like that wants to be a bit bump mm-hmm. it up the the running order a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, that's just me. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, we soon find ourselves 
in hyperspace. Ooh. Which is a blue filter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Much. On a on a on a model spaceship. Yeah. Um, hmm. I can't help but again, I can't help but love sort of the all the business with Tom and um, on this, you know, opening the door and then just sort of kicking <laughs> the corpse back in there. <laughs> oh, get back! Oh, get go! Yeah. <laughs> and this sort of weird robot thing that Romana ends up being strapped up next to. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> I, I yeah. I'm not sure what that was supposed to be. <laughs> Looks like I messed up chameleon or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, so it, like for some reason, I mean, because when I used to watch this, I mean, mm-hmm. I think my first impression when I first watched this show was I was kind of like, oh, I was a bit disappointed. We end up on like a white spaceship. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can see that because it's sort of like, oh, well, we had this really cool gothic horror thing, and now yeah. we're doing this. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, they they do try and sort of, like, get around how sort of clearly BBC Studio it is, because they, they've got... I don't know whether there was done, like, in post, or whether they had something set up underneath the the floor, but when the Doctor and Romana are walking around the abandoned spaceship, it doesn't sound like they're walking on rostrums. No, it sounds like wood. Well, it still does sound like wood, but, yeah, they try and at least disguise it. Yeah. Somewhat. Mm. It doesn't entirely work, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I do like to say. I mean, they do sort of give it a little bit more weight by having this sort of business of looking in all the little the doors and. Mm-hmm. But I think the only thing that sort of puts me off a little bit about this thing is like when it's all revealed mm-hmm. at the end, you just do wonder why didn't she just bugger off? Yeah, why is she sticking around? Yeah, just, just... It, again, it just feels like it needs a line. Yeah. No, you're entirely right. It is very strange, like, why is she... I mean, I could understand... They don't even explain why the ship's stuck there. I mean, Romana does say, well, maybe it, like, ran aground or something. That would would be fine if that was actually the case, but it's just floated as an idea, but it's never really followed up on. No. I mean, you you do sort of... You just need a little bit more for that, and Mm -hmm. it's sort of... I was kind of, again, when you get these sort of things of like, there's a, you know, that chariot, that Von Daniken chariot of the gods thing where um, a, a god turns out to be an alien and all this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I was kind of waiting for the, you know, I've been stuck on this shitty planet for blah, 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 this all this time speech from the big bad. Yeah. And, you know, I had to be a god because that's all I could do or to feed off them or something like this. But again, it's no really good explanation as to why she decided to be a you know, set herself up as a god and sort of get half-assed worship off a bunch of kind of nabby pabby <laughs> pagans. Yeah. Or maybe it's just because she could. Yeah, just because. I'm, yeah. I'm stuck here, might as well. But again, it just needs a line. Yeah. Again, of like, you know, oh, well, I was stuck here. I couldn't go anywhere. The ship was knackered. Oh, well, and I had to do something, so I became this lot's god. Mm-hmm. As well, sort of thinking about it, you know, obviously because you got the creepy thing of, like, the ravens are her eyes. You know, mm-hmm. like, again, I kind of want a bit of, like, how does she see through the ravens then? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I just yeah. want a bit, bit more, bit more. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, but is, is yeah. it because we've kind of gone half gothic horror, half spaceship story? I think that's what it you, is. You don't get enough of any, either of them. Yeah, it's, it needs to be, like, one or the other, really. I mean, it sounds like we're the kind of shit on this. I mean, it's it's still a great episode. Oh, I was going to say, I must emphasize, I do love it, but mm-hmm. it's 
it's kind of in spite of a couple sort of a bit of a flawed mm-hmm. setup sort of yes yeah. it's, it, it's it's not a damning indictment of this story no it's just that you know it's just these little bits that i think sort of could have propelled this story from good to great mm-hmm. i mean i'm gonna sort of go out and say that i think this might be my favorite hero out of key to time Oh, that's fair, yeah, I'd say that, yeah. Yeah, it might be. I mean, again, it's been a long time since I watched the other one, so mm-hmm. I'm prepared to be um, incorrect mm-hmm. in this assumption. But out of the, certainly out of the three serials we've had so far, yeah. it is by far my favourite. But I think that a lot of that is down to the quality of the supporting cast. Mm. Yeah. Um, so shall we talk about the Megara? Yeah. So basically, <laughs> if you ever, always, if you ever wanted for the Doctor to spend a good 20 minutes arguing with two bunches of fairy lights yeah that are quite pedantic mm-hmm. boy have we got an episode for you yeah yeah I mean um, I do like the idea behind them I think originally they were supposed to be sort of like um, like floating spheres but I think mm-hmm. like Star Wars come up out at that point so I think the, yeah. the thing you might rip off like um, like the Death Star probe droid that uh, yeah. tortures Leia and I'm trying to think, when was Phantasm? When did Phantasm come out? Oh, blimey. Now you're asking. I, wonder, I think it's around about the same time. Because you obviously I'm got the see, I'm going to see if... Go on. Come on. Computer, I know you can do it. <laughs> Phantasm. That's a weird movie. It is. Um, made over a very long time as well, apparently. Oh. 79. Oh, so, okay, so uh, wasn't quite... I, I was thinking the movies would have run about the same time because obviously then people might think of the, the the flying balls that drill into people's heads. But yeah. uh, since it was 79, then obviously not because this was B-78. Never mind. <laughs> no, 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 I think it's, it's, not a, it's not a bad thing. But the thing is, um, again, it's so difficult to make that like dynamic and look like it's moving in three-dimensional space because in mm-hmm. the day it's like a bloke it's on a bit of fishing wire yeah so in a way the the, the moving lights i kind of of like it as a as a as a workaround and it's quite unusual i think mm-hmm. yeah the only sort of problem is obviously you know a lot of the actors eye lines don't mm. quite or well not they don't quite make it or they miss entirely <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, there's no, there's, there's never a entirely on point. But then again, you know, how can you? You'd have to have how something. Can you? Yeah, it's it's so difficult. I mean, you've got to give them some credit for doing something different. I yeah. think with this, you know, do it and then looking at looking at the whole idea of what an alien can be, and sort of expanding that idea. It doesn't have to be a bipedal mm-hmm. humanoid. Yeah. It can be, a, you know, a, a bunch of lights. It can be a, a machine. It can be a this or that. So, yeah, I mean, like I say, apart from sort of a few technical hiccups, I mean, I think I don't really mind it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I do I do quite, I find them quite funny, though, how sort of, like I say, how sort of sniffy and pedantic they are. It's Yeah. I mean, especially the bit um, at the end when they try to execute the Doctor and they sort of drag uh, Vivian Fayette, a.k.a. Cesar Diplos, into it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the 
the bit like where he says, you know, why couldn't you just read a mind when I asked you to? And it says, well, you know, according to this article of subsection of this of the legal code, we're not permitted to read the memory cells of any beings except when they are unable to present their evidence by reason of death, unconsciousness, or natural stupidity. Yeah, natural stupidity. <laughs> I was like, you do feel like saying not to be racist, but she's silver. Yeah. She's clearly from somewhere else. <laughs> But I mean, again, but then you cut cutting back to Amelia and Romana, mm-hmm. who are solving this problem by the fact that there's some recipes crossed out in her book. Yeah, and it's sort of like it's citric acid. So like almost this is getting borderline Slovene. You know, look, looking yeah, back at it again. From well, I think it's probably the other way round. I think mm-hmm. it, it's the idea that you know, again, Russell T. Sort of seeing this and and mm. uh, saying, well, we can work out where people come from because they can't eat this or that, or, you know. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I just, I do quite like that we do cut back occasionally to Amelia, sort of, <laughs> who's taking this really all in her stride. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of information she has to take in. Yeah. And apart from clutching her forehead from time to time, she just kind of rolls with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I mean, there's that great bit, and it's part three when she says to the Doctor Who, yeah, are you from outer space? And he goes, no, I'm more from what you call inner time. And she just says, oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and has to repair this thing that looks like the Liberator from Blake 7. Yeah. Um, I thought that too. With instruction from a tin dog. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the tin dog, dear God, he gets put through the ringer in this one, doesn't he? He really does. He gets effed up something rotten. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, you know, you do wonder why the old guy couldn't have just fallen on him. Yeah, I mean, it's, jeez, I mean, how many times, he runs out of power, like, nearly twice, he gets mashed up by the Ogre somehow, um, yep. once, he's get, he gets sidelined in the TARDIS, I mean, they do manage to, like, give him a bit more mobility, but that's mostly by pulling him on a string and then load him onto a trolley and then he goes zipping off, um, but, um, it's, it's like, what do, how do you, like, feel in general about K-9, I've probably asked this before, but yeah. sort of like in, his involvement in the stories. In general, um, oh, blimey. It's so difficult because I, I really like the way he's acted. I love John Mason mm-hmm. and, you know, I quite like the sort of, again, the sort of pedantic and sort of snippy kind of thing that he has <laughs> with the Doctor and the companions and all this sort of thing. But mm-hmm. it's this sort of thing that like we talked about with Chameleon. His limitations mm. really hurt him. Yeah. I think that's, that's, and it's a shame. Yeah. I mean, even slightly when they brought him back for school reunion, they still couldn't quite. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, they're able to disguise some of that, but mm-hmm. it's, it's it, you know, the fact that he, all we can really, is if it's not a completely flat, dust free lino <laughs> surface, he yeah. can't. He can't really get anywhere. Yeah, you know, it's I mean, oh, it's just it's it's it just causes more. And as well, especially when you know to look for it, like there's this bit where when K nine and the Doctor um, turn up at the big house and they ah, see all the wreckage, you can see Tom Baker pick up I was, the corner. Yeah, I was just about to mention that. This like I didn't really notice until I had the info text on, but mm. then when your eyes drawn to it, it's like oh, <laughs> it's yeah. like it's. I mean, he's trying his best to be subtle, but it's just not. <laughs> Yeah. Unfortunately, one of those ones you see it cannot be unseen. It's the mm-hmm. it's the new hand of Sutek, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh bless. Yeah. Um, so say so I think it just I think if you can sort of again is it's one of the things when you sort of notice it and well, in 
you, you sort of let it stick in your mind, then mm-hmm. you're just kind of waiting to sort of pick at it. But if you kind of able to let those things go and just say, okay, well, K9's in this and, you know, he's being pulled along by a bit of string and he's only on a flat surface, blah, blah, blah. If you sort of just ignore all that, mm-hmm. you can really make, it does work, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but he's mm-hmm. hamstrung by it. Yeah. But, you know, well, you know, the 70s is the ones, I mean, we say we this now, but I mean, that was probably cutting edge stuffish. back oh, then. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You look at the start of some of the stuff, you know, I was watching when I was a kid and, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, watching it again as an adult, I just think, you know, how did I? <laughs> <laughs> but I think, again, it's like, if you're wrapped up in, in this, mm-hmm. it's, I think, really, this is kind of a bit of a litmus test, actually. I think if you can watch this serial, mm-hmm. and, okay, yeah, I mean, we giggle at the old guy and um, some of the bit overall acting and things like that, but I think... Mm-hmm. If you watch this and you kind of that spoils it for you, I'm not sure you're gonna really hundred mm. percent get on with classic Who no. ever because it's it, it's just kind of that that is the way that television was made and that was their technical limitations mm-hmm. and yeah it's that's what it is you know it's I, I would find it difficult to to find another to if someone turned around to me and said, you know, I just couldn't take it seriously and, you know, all this was so stupid and all the effects and blah 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 I just sort of think, well, you're better off kind of sticking with New Who because mm-hmm. this is this is classic. Yeah. This is the way it is, sort of thing. Yeah. I mean there's yeah, they do like the the remasters and the new special effects, but then you know, that's there's only so much even that can do, you know, there's it's just it, it is what it is. You know? mm, it is, yeah. And I think you, you sort of go, well, I'm just going to say I don't mind and, you know, fully embrace madness or mm-hmm. you don't, you know, I think, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so the other thing is that I think that's slightly disappointing about this episode, I think, is kind of the end, mm. which I think might be prime hand wave because mm. the Doctor just makes things better by grabbing the, the seal off of Faye. Yeah, but it's and, a, yeah, it's 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 and kind then of, go away space lights and then yeah, it's yeah, it is a bit uh, abrupt. Um, the end. I mean, I sort of. I'm not. I'm trying to think like how they could have like really improved it. Because I mean, yeah, um, if, if you think if you think like Vivian Faye has been wearing the seal of Diplos all this time, then surely the tracer would you know, detect that. But it's always just like the Doctor has an inkling of what it is. But it's it's just like suddenly, oh, that's it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Mm. I mean, it, it's not like a, it's not like a, a, a story killer or anything like that. No. I just think it's a, it's a touch abrupt for me, but... Mm. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, again, it's not really very well explained that that's what's happening, or so to speak. You kind of have to watch it a couple of times and go, oh, okay, these sort of dismissed the Magira by having this thing and kind of waved it and sent it back to Diplos. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just all, it's, I don't know whether, I think, um, I think maybe Pirate Planet was, like, the worst offender of the two. Oh, yes, yeah, I agree. At least but, they ended up with the, the bit at the end. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it is, it is sort of like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Bye now! Bye. I do love, I do sort of love the, the, the very end with Amelia, though, when mm-hmm. she's when the TARDIS disappears in front of her, I, I do 
yeah. love that. That's great. Do you think it was a bit cold that day? Yeah, a bit nippy. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's not. I don't. Okay, this is going to sound terrible, but it's again. It's one of those things when you see it, you can like you, you can't cannot be unseen. Like oh oh dear oh um. Oh dear! Pull your jacket. Close Vert your here. eyes, children. <laughs> yeah, it's like whoa. Okay. <laughs> um, like, but yeah, ooh. I mean that aside. I mean, I do love the thing of the you know I, I would never be taken seriously. You know, mm. you can see she's desperate. Yeah. That she'd love to write an amazing book about it, but she can't. And no. But yeah, mm. I, I do sort of hope in some sort of universe that Professor Rutherford wrote some book and. Mm-hmm. You know, wrote as a sci-fi novel, and it was actually what happened, or something like that. Yeah, I could, you could easily could have just done that. <laughs> Dear Stephen Moffat, <laughs> I have this really good idea. Good idea. Yeah, I'm going to write it into Doctor Who magazine. I'm going to get letter of the month. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, um, shall we wrap up a little bit on this one then? Yeah. So. Um, say i mean although we've sort of picked a couple of holes the one thing that kind of sticks to me as a modern viewer especially is that i'd wish they'd gone a bit further with the grew because i think there's a couple of there's a couple of instances which they hold back there's the bit where obviously we talked about the the literal cliffhanger and we've talked about um and sort of talking about the bit in the mansion Mm -hmm. that originally was going to be much more kind of in your face yeah but obviously You've got Mrs. Whitehouse sitting there with her pen and paper. She's just, just raring to go. Waiting like, to write a scorching hot take about this episode <laughs> to somebody. And, yeah. Um, yeah, they couldn't do it. But I think in, in in this day and age, it would be much more in your face. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. And how, I kind I of regret it isn't for me yeah. a little bit. I'm not sure like, there might not be like too much in your face, but it's a lot more heavily implied, shall we say. Yeah, I think they would sort of lay it on a bit thicker. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, I, I feel... I understand why they didn't, mm-hmm. but I I just kind of wish they had. Yeah. Um, and I think, actually, definitely watching... Because I haven't... I don't think I've watched this episode for... You know, it's been a few years. It's definitely, I mm-hmm. think, since... You know, maybe a good five years or so, I think, since I watched this last. And yeah. I think, for me, what stands out is kind of, I think it's legacy in terms of small cast episodes. Yeah. Because you really see the the threads of the, you know, like I say, I mean, six people in this apart from the Doctor and Romana. Mm-hmm. And the, that sort of little thread of having a small cast, claustroph- not, not claustrophobic, like, a, you know, only a couple of main guest stars and only a couple more sort of extraneous people. So mm-hmm. things like the God Complex, things yeah. like Midnight. Yeah. Those small cast episodes, that le- those are a part of this episode's legacy, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Because I mean, you don't you don't need anybody else. You know, no. you've you've got like all this like the the main players that you'd want without like yeah. any extraneous fluff. You know, there's not like yeah. I mean, one... you don't have like the, the village pub full of people going, mm, oh, you know, no. staring at them over their pints or. Mm-hmm the police or anything like that i say not the not like say the the k9 and company episode which i think this is quite heavily ripped off of actually um (laughs) but yeah i mean this is um say that sort of that confidence to just go right we've got our we've got enough um confidence in our main um our main cast Mm -hmm. and we've got really good 
back up in the guest cast mm-hmm. and we're just going to roll with what we've got. And I think it, it works brilliantly and it's something that they've continued to make work for them. Mm-hmm. And like I say, I think that having that confidence in your in your cast is really, it's really great. And I think having, you know, sort of this huge array of characters works for some episodes, but for this, this really smashes it for me. Mm, yeah. The only th- the only other thing I sort of feel with Stones Blood in a more negative sense is mm. I don't know whether they should have maybe gone for one of the tones over the, the other. Yeah. yeah, like I think it, it might have been better served if they'd stuck with the gothic stuff and maybe it's like still keep like Tessa Diplos and things like that and maybe just have a bit of the hyperspace, but it's just sort of like when already yeah when you get uh, to the end of episode um, is it. Two, yeah, two when uh, uh, Vivian teleports Romano away. That mm. bit is sort of like, oh, okay, so we're going somewhere different with this, and then that's nice. But I don't know whether the hyperspace stuff just sort of like doesn't work as well as the the gothic horror stuff. You know, I'd forgotten it was two episodes of the hyperspace stuff. I yeah, thought it was I the was, last one. I, yeah, I thought that too. I genuinely thought that too. I thought it was three episodes of. You know, being chased around the countryside by the ogre, and then mm. all of a sudden hyperspace. But it wasn't. Yeah. And it it does it is a better balance, I suppose. Yeah. Than just doing it that way. But I, I, I don't know. I still think like the Earthbound stuff is better. The the stronger stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. well, I think because me and you are, as well are, are both very big fans of none more gothic who, mm-hmm. and you know to to have. To have that, you you just kind of want to hang on to it for dear life. So, yeah. um, I think that I think if we maybe if we had feedback from someone who's much more into the space stuff, mm-hmm. they might feel different and say, "Actually, I, I wish we were on the ship for another episode or something like that." Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do feel like it's trying to have its cake and eat it by having two halves of two episodes stuck together, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, it does take away a little bit from both. Mm-hmm. As well as give us an, in- it's, it's a very interesting dynamic, and I do yeah. actually because again, it, I did have a feeling coming into this that I didn't like it when it got to the spaceship because I felt like it was like oh it's ruined now because I'm wanting to. But I actually enjoyed the spaceship stuff much more than I did mm. previously. Yeah, I mean that's when I've I don't know whether I've, we've mentioned like talking we've talked about Stones of Blood before on the podcast. I can't remember. I'm sure we have. <laughs> yeah. But I always remember like feeling like the spaceship stuff just like was sort of like weak, and it is. Slams the brake on it. Yeah, it just uh, it's uh, it's like whiplash inducing. It's like suddenly spaceship, mm-hmm. and yeah, it is still kind of the weaker part of the story. Yeah, but it like you say, it definitely wasn't as bad as I seem to remember. I was, I always remember like not really liking the Megara, but actually yeah, they're actually chunky. Yeah. I think it's more just sort of like suddenly the doctor's on trial random. It always seems to be a bit more random in my head from like memory. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, exactly. and it still it still is a little bit, you know, because, you know, the doctor, you know, opens. The, I mean, if it says, no, do not open. But, you know, you think the Megara would be like, oh, you know, thanks for letting us out. What the hell's going on? Rather than going, hey, you shouldn't have done that. Like, death. Death. <laughs> Death, um, but no, I mean, I don't know. yeah, it's it's still yeah. really enjoyable. It's uh, I'm I'm worried like people will be thinking that we're absolutely shitting on this. We're, we're not. We're not. No, I really enjoyed this episode. It, it, I was going to say, mm. I think it might be 
it's definitely on my list of episodes that I go back to mm-hmm. and watch. If it's one of those ones of like, you know, sometimes you have episodes of shows, I have a list with Star Trek as well. Ones that you sort of always end up going back to. Mm-hmm. Right you know, sort of odd episodes here and there that you just got it's all like a comfort viewing thing yeah and i think stones of blood is definitely that list i really like it i love i was going to say the, the supporting cast is so great it's really enjoyable mm-hmm. it has it is flaws it has yeah. flaws you know i'm not gonna lie it's got flaws and i think how much of a deal breaker those flaws are for you is kind of um it, it's so it's incredibly personal i mean i know people who hate this story and for for reasons that we sort of spelled out but yeah for me it kind of ov- overcomes those flaws it's good enough to 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 sort of power through them mm-hmm. despite what's going on mm-hmm. um but i think it's definitely your mileage will vary and you know i'm really looking forward to watching the second half of the the uh key to time because mm. i'm looking forward to see if anyone if any of these stories can challenge my assumption that this one is my favorite that will be a podcast for another time, I think. It will, it will. Mm. So, if you have any thoughts about the Stones of Blood, you can email us at greatestshow at simplysyndicated.com. We do our Facebook page, facebook.com slash greatestshowpodcast, and we do have our Twitter account at greatestshowpod. While you're on Simply Syndicated, do check out all the other great shows. Um, do subscribe to us. Please give us uh, some help by uh, signing up to Simply Everything, which for £6 a month you can listen to Simply Everything the Simply Syndicated has ever produced. We also have our Patreon and also a PayPal um also the merch store is still available where you can buy lots of things um for your clothing and mouse mat needs or if you want a mug mm-hmm. yep um, yep so if you could look, if you go on the facebook page we have a button right there at the front page it takes you straight to the store so mm. if you want to check some of that out if you're on the facebook page please do yes great so with that being said thank you very much Emma. thank you mike and we'll talk to you next time <laughs>